God is is good. Amen. Amen. You know, this week I was was thinking about you know all the things that we do in life, and and uh, one of the things I, I I enjoy doing is going out and you know going out for a meal. Jim Dennis and I, in fact, we are long overdue to go out for a meal, but we'd go out for breakfast or lunch, and you know those are all fun moments, but in the long run. They haven't added a whole lot to me except right around here. <laughs> but on the other hand, I was thinking of all the, the faithful men and women who, who give into the offering, into the tithes, into missions. And I began to go back from my early days here at Christian Center back to 1986. You know, it's been a long time. And thought of all the missionaries that we've sent out and all the stories we'd hear of salvations and healings and churches established and orphanages being, you know, worked on and all the things that we've done. At the end of time, all those meals that I enjoyed with Mike and all you guys, and they're, they're not going to mean a lot. The fellowship is important, but the meals aren't. But the, the, the money that we give into ministry has an eternal value. And so it was just like, you know, Lord, keep me faithful. You know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's it's hard to, to tithe. It's, it's hard to give when when you're looking at the at the checkbook. And say we don't have a lot, but God, we want to continue to sow into ministry because that's an everlasting, eternal reward. And and so we want to keep being faith. We're going to ask the the, the Zachs to come and um, receive the offering as we pray. Father, this is this is difficult sometimes to give, but Lord, we want to give faithfully to you, Lord, and and ask that you would take what we give. Lord, in our tithes and in our offerings, God, that you would bless the ministry, God, establish the kingdom of God. Lord, as we're tied into and sowing into missions um, throughout the world and even here in the United States, God, we pray that you would bless each and every one of them, God. As we think of the Forerunner Ministry and the Johnsons in Minnesota and Joel Comiskey uh, ministering in the cell group movement, God. We think of Jason Friends speaking in places like Cuba and South America where uh, tens of thousands of people are hearing the gospel even for the first time. Lord, for Brian Taylor who's been serving in Guatemala, for, for the uh, Lamuses who are, who are there, God, continue to move, continue to, to establish the kingdom, God, that people would hear the name of Jesus, God, that they would understand your love for them. All through giving and sowing into the, into the uh, tithes and offerings today, Father, we just pray to establish his kingdom in this place, in this city, throughout the world where we're connected, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want a cappuccino. There is a, and a you know, this, who feels like they lost a couple of days this week with all the snow? I know, I mean, I really, I felt like, wow, I lost the week. So looking at it, trying to get all the financial things and everything together for the, for the annual meeting, we decided to go ahead and push the annual meeting to the last Sunday, the 31st of January. It's still a week before Super Bowl, so don't worry, how, you don't have to worry about that. So if you're a member of, of the church, um, put that on your, on your calendar that right after church on the 31st, Last day of January, we'll meet together for the annual meeting. Um, we'll provide a lunch. We'll have lunch together and then do the meeting right after that. So make sure you're there. Anyone's welcome to come, but we really need the members there so we can take care of the, the business side of the church. And I think that's it, unless there's any other announcements. That... The prayer meeting also, the youth thing, got moved to this Tuesday because it was snowing really hard on Tuesday. So we're doing prayer and worship with the youth on this Tuesday instead of last Tuesday. So that's it. All right.
Well, let's pray for the word. Fathers, we are beginning this new year. God, even as this, it's on the sign, God, it's a new beginning. It's a new year, but it's the same God. Father, I pray that it would be like a new beginning for us, that we would uh, press into you, God, that we would uh, walk out of 2015 and, um, and walk into the things that you have us for this year. Lord, I pray that you would help us to get a handle on on the areas in our life that you're desiring us to have victory in, God. Um, Lord, as we have the second part of this message, Seven Habits of Growing Christians, God, we pray that you would help develop the habits that are going to keep us away from evil. God, keep us walking in the things that you want us to walk in. God, that you have a desire for our lives, that you have a desire, God, for us to look a certain way, to, to look like you. God, and that you would help us to continually grow in that direction, learning to say no to ungodliness and saying yes to you more and more. God, I pray that you would help to, to keep us out of the culture, God, and, and help us to be um, lovers of God. Lord, I pray that you would encourage each and every one of us, including myself, even as I'm challenged um, in, in the word last week and this week, that, that, we would, um, that I would, that we would be ones who are growing in you and growing closer to you. Bless the time of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Seven habits of growing Christians. Uh, there's, the, you know, we always, we talked about this last week, we're always looking for those those catchy things in seven habits. And really, I was having a hard time thinking about, what you know, what are the seven habits of growing Christians? I, you know, I go online and even look at, you know, what what are some of the things, and I pull, pull different things, and there's there's actually books out there, seven habits of of disciples of Jesus, and I mean, there's just a lot of information. Is there only seven? Probably not. But I'm, I picked seven that I think are important to us. Last week, we went through the first three. And the first one we spent a lot of time on, and that's simply abiding. One of the first habits of a, of a growing Christian is someone who abides in Christ. They're, they're there all the time. It's, it's throughout the day we're continually reminded that we're a Christian. We're, we're not Christians on Sundays and Thursday night at, at Life Group. We're, we're Christians all the time, and we need to abide in the Lord. We need to make those habits of, of talking to Him throughout the day, remembering that we belong to the kingdom of God. This, this week, I was actually challenged. Um, actually, it was probably last week, because I lost this week. Um, the week before last, I was picking up dog food, and uh, in fact, it was Joe and Linda's neighbor from across the street who works over at the dog food store, and I drive in, and uh, I'm picking up my dog food, and, and he goes, not of this world, what's that? And I'm like, I'm, I didn't know if I was wearing a shirt or a hat, and, and, um, and so he threw me off guard. The Bible says to be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. And I was like, whoa, wait a second, what do you mean? I got to talk about this? And so what is not of this world? And so I, you know, I talked, I just shared a little bit about it. I says, you know, I'm a Christian and, and I believe that my citizenship in a sense is in heaven, that I belong to God, not just to this, to this earth. And so it's kind of a way we just say that, you know, we, we live for something higher than just what's happening on this earth, um, that, that we belong somewhere else. And, and it was kind of fun because I was, you know, shaken. I hope and pray the same thing happens to you this week, that somebody will come and ask you a question that, that goes, oh, wait a second, I got to think about this and give an answer. In fact, if you're not ready to give the answer, don't wear the shirt or put the bumper sticker on your car. Because that's the, the point of those things really should be to, um, to help us to be ready to give that, that answer. And, and all that to go, not of this world. We're not of this world. The Bible says that our citizenship is in heaven. So we need to abide where our citizenship is. 
We need to be abiding in Christ all the time, understanding that we, it's okay to look different than the world in some things. You know, there was a, a, a real big teaching. We came out of, of an era and, be, and began to come into probably through the Jesus movement, which was amazing. But I think we swung on the pendulum that Christians should look so much like the world so that we can win the world to Jesus. I don't think it worked like we thought it was going to work. We became looking so much like the world that we became worldly. And, and, and I don't think that we should necessarily look like the Amish and grow beards and, and, you know, not have any electricity or anything like that. But we need to look like Jesus. And, and there are some things that we just as Christians shouldn't be doing because our citizenship is in heaven. And we are going to continually come, poor, this side of the room is the world, I guess. Because I always say, the world and Jesus, poor this side of the room next week, everyone will sit over here. But, but uh, and these, these people don't, they don't know which side they want to sit on yet. <laughs> but, but we, we want to, we, we live in the world, but we want to be like Jesus and we need to abide in Him all the time so that He can speak to us and we'd actually hear Him. And, and I believe that if we'll slow down and abide in Him, that we'll hear His voice, the Holy Spirit will speak to us and say, I don't want you to partake in this activity. I don't want you to do these things. I've got something different for you. So the first thing we need to learn to do is abide in him, spend time with him. And we do that through the next two points um, and, and the rest also. But prayer, prayer is the, the first thing that's going to help us to abide in him. And this is just a recap on last week. You can get the go online and, and get the sermon. But prayer, we need to be people of prayer, not just, not just our, our devotional prayer, not just prayer on Sundays, uh, those things are important and, and a big part of it. But also, in addition, we need to be people who just pray all the time. It says pray continually. That means throughout the day we're just talking to God about things. You know, God, my kids are really unruly. Help me to have some grace. Help me to have some wisdom and know how to handle this situation. God, my kids are going out to play. Lord, I pray you would protect them. Lord, I'm driving down the street. I pray that I'm a good witness while driving. If you're not, take the bumper sticker off your car, for goodness sake. You know that, 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 that story, you know, the, the guy's sitting in their, in their car, and the guy next to him's all, beep, starts honking, and the guy says, well, why are you honking me? He rolls down his window, he says, your bumper sticker says, honk if you love Jesus. <laughs> you know, are, are we a witness when we're driving? You know, some of us honestly are probably convicted right then. Go, oh my goodness, do I have to be a witness then? Sure, because we belong to another place. Are you a witness at work? Our Christianity is not separated when we leave the church and we go out into the world. I read a great, a, a great article that the, the article wasn't as great as the, the subject matter. It was, it was okay written, but it was talking about secular versus spiritual. And we always want to divide that. Well, you know, I work in the secular world. You know, I think that what we need to do as Christians is get rid of that. We don't work in the secular world. We are spiritual people. That means everything we do is spiritual. So when you're at work, it's spiritual. The Bible says everything you do, do as unto God. And so we need to get rid of that line and say, we're just always a Christian. Some of you may be really discouraged and disappointed because you'd like to be in ministry and instead you're working a secular job. You're in ministry. We're all in ministry because we have the ministry of reconciliation, bringing people to God. 
all the time. So all of our work, whether it's full-time working in a church or in a, in a mission or working in, in the secular field, building houses, really the truth is there is nothing secular because you are not secular. I am not secular. And if some of you are going, that's a word I've never heard before. That means just worldly, not spiritual. And we need to get rid of that and say, everywhere I go, everything I do, I'm a Christian. That means I bring with me the spirit of God. And so it's all spiritual. And so so if it's always all spiritual, we need to be people who be praying just all the time. Now, I don't mean that we're just constantly, you know, praying, you know, our, our Father who art in heaven, but throughout the day, that we don't just, you know, have our beginning and our end, but throughout the day, we're just taking those moments when you hear about something. And this is this takes training. This doesn't happen naturally. These things, you have to train yourself. Somebody says, oh, so-and-so is sick. Instead of just going, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. You say, and you can do it with them or just do it by yourself because sometimes it's hard to pray at the beginning with other people. But, but just take a minute. God, I pray. Pray for them. You know, yesterday we, we did a memorial service for Candy Clothier. And the family has, Jackie was Temple and now it's um, Jackie Mullins, but she was part of the church for a long time. This last year, she lost her, her stepdad, her nephew, and her sister, which means Jackie's mom lost her husband, her daughter, and her grandson. You know, this year, that's a, that's, a, that's a lot of loss. And it's really easy for me to just go, oh, man, I'm really sorry. I feel bad. And then move on. But if we become people of prayer, we'll, we'll teach ourselves to stop and say, God, Pray that you be with that family. And just take a moment to pray. It doesn't have to be long. Just talk to God for a minute. And take these things that are happening in your life and turn them into quick prayers. As we do that, we're going to abide in Christ. We're going to become people of prayer. We're going to grow as Christians. We're going to abide better. Third point from last, this is all from last week. We'll start today's message in a minute. <laughs> third, third point from last week is that we need to be people of the Word of God. God Himself through people, wrote the Bible. Now we go, well, you know, some of you might go, I just don't know if I believe it. Here, here's the thing, and this is, this is where I stand. If part of this is untrue, which part? Who gets to decide which parts are untrue and true? See, a lot of people say, well, you know, it was written by men, and, and it's pretty good overall, but there's a lot of errors and stuff, and there's a lot of information out there that we could talk about of, of the validity of this word, but, but if I'm going to say, well, I don't like this part, then I'm probably going to throw out, I don't like this part either. See, it's not supermarket Christianity. This is the word of God. He moved upon people to, to bring us what his word of God. And so if this is what he left us with, we should get to know him through the word. We should be people who want to read it. And, and like I said last week, let the word read us. The Bible says it's kind of like a mirror. We look at it, it, it looks back at us, and it helps us to understand who we are in Christ. So we need to be people who would become people of the word. And, and there's, you can read it, you know, praise God with technology. You can listen to the Bible now. Uh, on my phone, I have an app. It's the Version app. And a lot of the Bible versions actually read to me. And so there's times I'll just be driving down the road and I'll actually, before I start driving, I'll turn on the version, just have the Bible be read to me as I'm driving down the road. I'll put it on at night sometimes in my headphones and, and fall asleep to the Word of God. And so we can read it, we can listen to it, but we're, we just begin, begin to be people of the Word of God. This is what growing Christians 
habits of growing Christians. Without these three and the next four things, we're going to have a hard time growing. Now, this is a very, this is sub, not subjective, but this is between you and the Lord. Because you can look at yourself and say, am I growing? You know, we should be further along in our walk with Christ this year than we were last January. Now, what does that mean? It, sometimes you might need somebody from the outside to help you see the growth. Because there's sometimes the growth maybe isn't evident. If you've been walking for a long time with the Lord and you've already conquered cussing and you've, you know, you stopped smoking and chewing and running with girls who do and all those things, then, then you go, I don't know if I'm growing anymore. Well, that's what we have. We're surrounded by people who might say, yeah, I see the growth, but the growth is inward. I see a character change in you. Um, one, we're going to talk about this, but one of the ways you might find yourself growing is that, that you, you, you found yourself being able to give more freely. Given, you know, give finances or given your time. Because this is how we, part of the things of our growth. Um, being slower to angry, anger than we used to be. That's, a, that means God is doing a work inside of us. So we're not always conquered. We don't just stop doing everything all at once. But as we're growing, we see things begin to fall off. We see uh, the the propensity to sin is is less and less, and the sin's hold on us is less and less. So these are some of the, the trademarks. So we want to be p- people who abide. We want to be people who pray. We want to be people who are in the Word of God. So now for today's message. Hope you're recording it all, though. Okay. So habit number four, habit number four of a growing Christian is be committed to a local body of believers. Now, these aren't in any specific order other than the first one is the most important, abiding in Christ. That That is the most important one. We need to be people who abide in Christ because all of these other things will just become only habits. They'll only become actions and they won't be real. So uh, abiding is important. The rest of them aren't necessarily in any order, but it's important to be committed to a local body of believers. Well, this one's like, well, what does that mean and why? When God created us, he created us to live in community with him and with others. He even made, when he made, he made Eve that they would be together. And then he calls, throughout the Bible, he calls the, the church, the body of Christ, he calls it a body, he calls it an army, he calls it um, the called out ones, he refers to us as, as a, a joint thing, not a singular thing. We're living in a country that's all about me, and so we tend to believe that we can do Christianity just me. In fact, I hear this a lot, and if I'm stepping on your toes, good. Because, because we cannot do this Christianity thing on our own. That was never part of it. Christians, the church is actually the called out ones, and it means us as a whole. I am not the church by myself, but together with other believers, we become the church. So it's important. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll start in 23. Just These are just, just good scriptures. They're all, Hebrews is a great book. 23 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So this is just a simple command. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I feel like that's written for today. I hear a lot of people going, you know, I'm not religious. I'm a Christian. I'm not religious. I don't go to church. I just do. My, my faith is between me and God. Well, that's not what he said. In fact, if, if your faith is only between you and God, you haven't, you definitely haven't read the Bible because he calls us so much to be part of the body. He calls us to witness. He calls us to make disciples. All these things have to be done in concert with other believers. And so then you go, so be committed to a local body of believers. And I didn't just say be committed to a couple of believers. I believe that God has established um, groups of people to, to walk in this life together. And if we compare the, the church the way it looks today to the way it looks in the, in the first century, it's very different, obviously. But everything we do is also very different. You know, we didn't drive cars back then. We didn't go to grocery stores back then. We hunted all of our food. So there's a lot of things that are changing, but what's the spirit of it? They would gather in house churches. One of the reasons they gathered in house churches is there wasn't a whole lot of buildings, and they already had houses. Now, a lot of the houses that they would meet in were connected to others, and they would have multiple dwellings, almost like an apartment, um, in, in one place, and then there would be central areas that would connect them all. And in certain in areas, especially outside of Jerusalem, when you'd find find these, you'd find in these houses, or these these complexes, you know, eighty to one hundred and fifty people, kind of all living together, and they would all get together in the house church. Might be eighty to one hundred and fifty people, not necessarily eight or ten. In the upper room was probably the room of one of these houses. There were how many there? 120. So that's kind of a, a larger group of people. And so so I, I, I think that we we're coming together not just with a few people, but with even larger groups of people from, from, our, from our area. Um, and so here we are in, in Big Bear. We have, I mean, I've heard 30. I don't think it's that many, but I, I think it's close to 20 churches, Christian churches in this valley. That's a lot. Well... Should we get one big building so we can all meet together? That might be wonderful. Or is it okay that we're meeting in small groups throughout the, uh, throughout the area and we know that who we're connected to? This would be about the size of a house church in, in uh, Galilee. Just be gathering together 80 to 100 of us, serving the Lord together. The Bible says that, that um, the pastors are supposed to shepherd the flock of God. Well, in order to shepherd a flock, you need to know who's in the flock. And it says that believers are supposed to obey and submit to those that are over you, to the elders and the pastors. So in order for that to happen, you need to know which elders and pastors are over you. So that becomes there's a local body that we're connected to. And we're, we're there together. And, and, and in that context, we then can begin to do what the Bible says um, to love one another. I'm gonna give a, I'm gonna, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give out a, a few scriptures, um, chapters, and, and some of the things that we're called to do. And these are just a few. See, 
when we're living in and being committed to a local body of believers, and the word commit is important there, we don't just kind of go haphazardly. We commit to a group of people. Mike and I were just talking this morning, you know, about the snow this week. And, you know, we realized that there's people in the congregation who probably needed some help shoveling out. And that's something that we, I'd like to be in to work on is to make sure that we are taking care of one another. There's some people in here who can't shovel. Uh, and so we as the body should be helping them. Well, we need to know who the body is in order to do that. Um, and we need to be committed to doing that. Does that make sense? And so, here's some scriptures, though. By Hebrews 10, it says that we're committed to exhort one another. First Thessalonians, we're called to encourage one another. We're encouraged to sing together, to love one another in Romans chapter 13. We're, uh, we're encouraged to allow the gifts to be in operation when we get together, and that's 1 Corinthians 12. We're supposed to show kindness to one another, confess our sins to one another, pray for one another. You know, if I'm going to confess my sins to somebody else, I want to know that they're committed. I, I want to know that we're, we're in this together. I don't want to just confess my sins to anybody who just shows up one day because I don't know where they're going to be next week. So we're, we, we live life together. So this is, this is habit number four. Be committed to a local body of believers. And that means we're going we're gonna to do life together. I believe there's a great book. It was, it was written, um, and it talked about the two-wing church, the small gathering, which what we, we call life groups, you know, three to 15 people. Uh, where they're gathering together weekly. They're able to do life more. They're sharing meals together. They're, they're getting more into it. But I also believe in this, what in, in the book is called The Other Wing, and that's the large gathering. Because a lot happens in a, in a, a larger group, 80 to 100, 120 or even larger, that can't happen in a small group. So I think it's both is really important. But be committed to that local body of believers, number four. Number five, habit number five. By the way, all of these things, we're going to be talking about these things in depth over this coming year because we're going to go through the book of Acts. And so we're going to be talking about these things. The next one, especially, habit number five, be spirit-filled, be spirit-led. Now, if you're visiting with us, you go, oh, you know, I, man, now this is twice. I heard that worship guy say that we're Pentecostal. And now he's talking about Holy Spirit and be Spirit-filled. I don't know if I want to come back to this church. Well, let me, let me, um, let, let's put this in, in the context. Jesus, when he walked on this earth, he did a lot. Is that a biblical word? A lot. I mean, can't even, you know, the Bible says if, if you recorded all the miracles that Jesus did, there perhaps wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain them. Jesus did a lot. At the very end of his life, he told the disciples to wait. Wait until they're endued with power from the Holy Spirit. He says, you're going to go into the whole world and preach the gospel to everyone, but you got to do it with the Spirit's power. The Holy Spirit is not a Pentecostal church new thing. In fact, it's wonderful to see that, that more and more Baptists, I'm not picking on the Baptists, but the Baptist churches who in the times past have been, you know, we don't really talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. They were kind of stayed away from it. More and more pastors saying, listen, the Holy Spirit is so important. And yet is the whole book of Acts. I think the book of Acts should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. 
The, word, the, the term Holy Spirit appears 94 times in the Bible. 94 is a decent amount of times to talk about a subject matter. 42 times in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is mentioned. We need to be people who are filled with the Spirit. After Jesus accomplished everything that he did, he gave the disciples one more commandment. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Let's read it. It's better. Starting in verse 46, this is Jesus talking. Luke 24, 46. Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Luke chapter 24. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then they go. And then the disciples go, and they meet in the upper room, and they wait. And they wait. We'll talk more about this in a few weeks, but they wait until, and they're praying and they're waiting until the room begins to shake and tongues of fire sits on each person and they're each filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak in tongues and the first mass evangelism campaign where thousands get saved happens right there because of the Holy Spirit. And then throughout the book of Acts and throughout all the epistles, you see the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, boldness because of the power of the Spirit. All of these things happening where people are filled with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God in order to live a life of victory in this world. We need to be people who would seek, yes, you can seek it, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus, in one of the, one of the parables, uh, one of his, 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 when he's talking about praying and asking, he says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, not right? And then he goes and talks the story. He says, if, if a son asks for his dad for a fish, will he give him a scorpion? If he asks for bread, will he give him a stone? And he says, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? We miss that. He actually said, ask for the Holy Spirit. The disciples had to go. Jesus had already been crucified, raised from the dead, ascended into heaven. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. If it was something that was just part of salvation, it would have happened the moment that Jesus ascended. The moment he ascended. But it, he waited to show that we are we seek God. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we find in the book of Acts, and we'll, be, we'll get into that, those times it says, oh, we don't even know about the Holy Spirit. We've only been baptized into the name of Jesus or John. So we need to be those who would say, God, I want, I want to be full of the Holy Spirit. I want the Spirit of God living inside of me. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the triune God. We need to be full of Him. Ephesians chapter 6 is a command that says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, habit number five, 
be spirit-filled. And then we'll get into that more. But you, we don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to bring the spirit into places that are going to lead us away from the Lord. So be people who would be filled with the spirit. What does the Bible say about, one of the things it says about being filled with the spirit? It says, do not be drunk, but be filled with the spirit. Amen. And so we, we, we just want to see what the Lord has for us. Habit number six of growing Christians is to practice godly stewardship. Practice godly stewardship. Stewardship is so much more than finances. It's important to know we're not just talking about money. We always think we hear stewardship, oh, and I was going to talk about giving. But God has given us charge over everything that he created. Genesis 1.1 says, it's a good place to start, right, at the very beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. It was him who created everything. It all belongs to him. Everything that we have has been lent to us to take care of. He said to take care of the garden. It was their job to take care of the garden. He didn't give it to them. It's God's. Jesus, when he was talking about the stewards, he says there was a man who, who gave money to different, to different stewards. To one he gave one, to one he gave five, to one he gave ten. And he says, occupy until I return and then bring me back what is mine. See, Jesus is the one, God is the one who created it all and owns it all. So everything we are, everything that we have belongs to him. So stewardship is about our whole life. If you have a job, God is giving you stewardship of that job. Do a good job with it. If you own a business, God has given you stewardship over the business that you think you own. It belongs to him. Stewardship is, is really understanding that everything we have belongs to him in the first place. So if we will expand our thinking into godly stewardship, we'll understand that we need to be stewards of everything, our time, our talents, um, our possessions, our finances, our work. Again, we talked about we don't, we don't leave our Christianity on Sunday morning. If, if we are always Christians, that means your business should be a reflection on Christ. Are you being a good steward with your business? Your children, the way you raise your children, is you're stewards of your children. You're a steward of your marriage. You're, you're taking care of what God has blessed you with. And so we need to learn to be godly stewards of everything we have. Um, stewardship, I think, defines our relationship to God. It, it, as, I, as I said, it really identifies God as the owner and man as simply the manager. And, and I've been a manager and I've, I've been an owner. And when I was a manager, I tried to do the same. I tried to do everything so that the, the bosses would be happy. God's the owner. And God makes man his co-worker. God makes us his co-worker, ministering all of the different parts of our life. Um, 1 Corinthians says, We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You're God's building. So we start with this concept where we get a better view um, that, that they're not our possessions. Even our life is, is given to us by God. So we need to be good stewards. And that will we'll go into every area. So we, as we become growing in our, our walk with the Lord, we read the Word and we find out how He wants us to live. He wants us to, to, to serve with our 
talents. He wants to serve with our, um, give with our time. We give with our finances. Everything we have, we give and we do as unto him. This is not mine. Stewardship is not God taking something from us. It is his method of bestowing his richest gifts upon his people. Stewardship is not God taking something from us. It's his method of bestowing his richest gifts upon his people. Sorry, my throat. God sets these things up. I mean, God's amazing. I don't understand him. He created man and woman, almost completely different. And he says, move into the same house and get along. <laughs> so we don't always understand his, his methodology, but we see the fruit of it. Because, you know, men and women are supposed to com- complement each other. And so... You know, it's always fun, Pastor Jad. Anyone who's ever done any, you know, marital counseling or, you know, talked with, with couples, they come in and I just don't understand my wife. She does everything, you know, so different. And those are the nice words. I mean, you know, really it's like, she's crazy. She doesn't make any sense. She's not rational. She's not logical. Why, why, why do things come? Because we're approaching it from our side. But when we, we take our helpmate and we go, oh my goodness, they complement each other so well. Together they make a wonderful whole package. I mean, but on our own, we're pretty. You know, and ladies, on your own, you're, you're no better. You might look better. But, but God created us to live in that, that harmony. And so the same thing. He created this thing. He says, listen, I could do it differently. I mean, God could have done it any way he wanted. But he says, this is the way I'm going to do it. The earth is mine. And I'm going to ask you to take care of it. And I'm going to let you be a steward of these things. As we understand that, we'll grow in our walk because we'll understand the importance of, of right living, of sowing into the kingdom of God. So godly stewardship is the sixth habit. Habit number seven. And this, I say, I, I, you know, you could have added others to this, but these are the ones that I th- think are really important. Habit number seven is a, a growing disciple shares his faith with others. I would actually like to be so bold to say, if we're not sharing our faith with us, we're, we're, can we even call ourselves Christians? Jesus told us to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every living creatures. He said, go and make disciples and baptize. The book of Acts is about the spreading of the gospel of the kingdom of God. God's whole heart is to reach the world. The Bible says Luke that the son of Luke says the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're ever wondering why Jesus came, that's why. The son of man came to seek and to save 
that which was lost. The New Testament is so bound up, especially the gospel, when we see Jesus' heart in finding lost things. The parable of the, the man who had ten coins and they lost a coin. And they went and they searched all over for the coin. And when they found it, he celebrated and they threw a party because he lost the coin. They lost a, had the sheep and one of them went away. And when he found the lost sheep, he celebrated and had a party because the lost sheep was back. The prodigal, the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son who, who went away into the world and squandered all of his wealth and came back. And the father ran to greet him and he wrapped his arms around him and he killed the fatted calf and he put the ring on his finger because that which was lost was returned. If you can't see that Jesus cares about the lost things, we're not looking hard enough. It's, it's just right there. So we need to be busy about sharing our faith with others. Now, lest you get this picture that you need to go down to the corner of Hollywood and Vine and do what I used to do and, and you know, just do open-air street preaching or something. You don't have to do it that way. You have a faith. You have a relationship with God. You're supposed to share that relationship with other people. What did God do for you? So it's going to look really different. As I look around the room, each of you will share your story, your faith, your testimony, your love for God with other people in a different way. But we're called to do it. We're called to do it. You know, we've many of us have heard that says, um, and I didn't look this up, so I'm going to get it a little bit wrong, but it says, um, no, I just totally went dead. Share Jesus, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. That's what it really was. Pre by all means, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. And it's a wonderful thought. That means that we just, we're a witness for God by our actions. The issue I have with that is I've met some really amazingly nice atheists who cook meals, who shovel snow for people, who help other people out. If there's a group of people who serve other people, the Mormons, they're at the top of the list. Okay? So if our only way of sharing Jesus is actions, people might not know why we're doing it. So it actually does have to come to, to pass that they have to some, at some time know that we're Christians and that we do what we do because Christ saved us. You don't have to preach, which you might think preaching, but share your faith. We all have a story, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a little bit different for each of us, but we need to, to practice sharing our faith. So one of the things I encourage you to do is to think about how you got saved and, and, and write it out. Say, well, you know, this is my story, and figure out a way to, to write it out and to, if you could share it in three minutes or less. I actually, I actually think that we should all be able to share our testimony in 30 seconds, in two to three minutes, and in 10 minutes. Three different stories, same story, three different ways. The 30 second one is that real quick one and you just, boom, you just share it. It's waiting at a bus stop and you can share your, you know, just a real quick one. Two to three minutes is just a little bit. But then there's sometimes you're sitting over coffee with a, a good friend or something and, and they, they want to know. And you just begin to share. Have you thought about your testimony? Have you thought about what God has done for you and have, are able to articulate it to someone else? I challenge you to be able to do it. And then be ready, because that way when somebody comes up to you and says, 
What does not of this world mean? You, you got a 30-second explanation. And you can say, you know, I believe that, that God saved me and that my real home is heaven. And 20 years ago, this is what my life looked at like. And he came into my life and he set me free. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says that we have treasures. Let's, let's, I want to read that one. So God's got a great way. He always he tells us to do things, but then he says, you know, lest you think this is about you, it's always about him. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Some of you are thinking, I just don't think I can share my faith. I don't think I have anything to offer anyone. It's no, no, no. You're just an earthen vessel. For those of you who, who didn't know that band, Jars of Clay, this is where they get their name. We're just jars of clay. Nothing spectacular at all. But it proves that the power and the excellency in our life is from God. It's not of us. And for those of us who struggle maybe with getting prideful when we do things, we're humbled and says, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about my words. It's not about my abilities. It's about Him. Because I am frail. God's given us this light. He says if you, you don't hide the light under a basket, but you set it on the stand so it brings light to the whole room. The city's on the hill so that everyone can see it. That's how we're supposed to live our life. We're supposed to live out loud. Now some of you are quiet people, so your live out loud will be quieter than others. Matthew is very quiet and timid. So his, his witness is, you know, more. No, right? Some, some people just live. They're just live. They're just loud. They're out there in their life. And some, but we still live so that everyone can see. It's, it's, it's in our life because that's a habit of a, and this is a habit. So habits are something we have to work at. Sharing our faith with others for a lot of us doesn't come naturally. I mean, I love to get those, those people just full of zeal when they're first saved. And I mean, they, they just share about Jesus everywhere they go. But that's not everyone's story. Some of you don't relate with that. But just because you don't relate with it doesn't mean that God's not calling you to step out of your comfort zone and begin to share your faith. Share your story. Abide. Be a person of prayer. Be a person of the Word. Be committed to the local church, the local body of believers. Let your gifts shine there. Let's be spirit-filled and spirit-led. I'm going to share our faith. Oops, I got out of order. Practice godly stewardship. Understand God gave us everything. And we're going to give back to Him as He calls us to and then share our faith. Heavenly Father, I'm challenged. But Lord, I want to continue to grow in my walk with You too. So help me to to work on these habits, develop these habits. Lord, let your spirit live inside of me to live through me that these habits might come to pass as I yield to what you want to do in my life. God, I pray the same prayer for everyone in this room this morning, that we would grow in our walks with you, that we would make progress, that we would not struggle with the same things, but we would continue to grow one step closer to Jesus. Lord, keep us safe, Keep us in you. Don't let us wander off like the sheep. Hold us tightly in your flock, under your care. And Lord, I also pray for all those that are hurting this morning. God, emotionally, physically, 
that you would touch each and every one of us like only you can. Lord, I pray that you'd bring hope and peace and comfort. Lord, I also pray for healing. Lord, we thank you that you are I am. And we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I opened my eyes and it was 11 o'clock. I'm like, oh, I'm getting good. Yeah.